Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. If you would like to go ahead and, and open your scriptures to the book of Job, chapter 28, the book of Job, chapter 28. We're going to get there in just a minute. We started talking about wisdom last week. Began week before that talking about trials and then the need for wisdom in our trials. And and, and James said, if you need it, ask for it. You've got to ask the right one for it. You've got to ask God for it. And he said, if you ask God for it, he'll give it to you generously and he won't even find fault in the process of giving it. And so today we're going to pick up and, and talk about wisdom, um, the wisdom of God. And I don't, I don't know, you know how we do, I don't know how long this will last as far as um, a series. But it's probably one of the most timely, one of the most vital messages that you will hear in this season of life that we have. There's a lot of deception. The enemy is working really hard to deceive, and there is a spirit of deception that is running rampant in our country today. And there's only one way for us to be able to to know what that is, and that is for us to to truly walk in the wisdom of God. And we're going to look at the the two wisdoms. We're going to look at a wisdom of man, and we're going to look at the wisdom of God, and we're going to look at the differences in the two. The wisdom of the world, or the wisdom of man, has a, has, a, has a term, has a modern term that's used for it today, and it's called politically correct. Politically correct is nothing more than the wisdom of man, or the wisdom of this world. Sadly, so many believers have been deceived into thinking that that is the way we're supposed to live our life. And if you, if you don't do politically correct, and, and that term is so broad. When I say politically correct, the, the, the term is so broad it can go so many different directions, but I think you know, uh, you understand that that is, um, even though it's a broad term, it identifies a, a wisdom that comes from the world that is absolutely not of God. Are you, are you with me on that? So I, I'm gonna, I want to share something to try to, I want to build us up to where we're going, and I want you to follow with me. I'm not going to, uh, this is only a setup for my message, um, so I'm not going to be using a lot of Scripture, actually Scripture verses that we're going to read, but all of this comes from Scripture, and you can dig in and find it on your own. And when I'm preaching on this subject, then I'll actually come in and, and, and build up on that. But I think for us to understand the need for the wisdom of God flowing in and through the people of God, we have to understand a couple things. And one, of the, or one thing is there, there are two births that need to happen in the lives of every individual. There's a natural birth. And there is a spiritual birth. Jesus said you must be born again. What was he talking about? He went on to say that you need to have the spiritual birth. We're all born 
the flesh birth. We're all born the natural birth into this world. That's the physical body that you have. That's how you got here. How many of you know you got here by a natural birth? The spiritual birth, Jesus said, is the one that we get into the kingdom of God with. So he said you must be born again. What did he mean? You must be born of the Spirit. Religion has absolutely destroyed so much of what Jesus wants to do in this country, but we also know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and so he will do his work, and he will find the people that will walk with him and believe him, so don't get discouraged about that. But religion has taught us that here's what, here's what Christianity is about. It's about heaven and hell. It's about saying, I believe in Jesus, so I won't go to hell, and I can go to heaven, and then that's pretty well it. That, that's all there is to it. And then we just kind of all try to hang on and drag on to Jesus comes back and, and, and takes us out of here. And yet that's not, that's not at all what Jesus came to do. Then we make it about morality. So it's either about keeping a list of rules or not. So religion has created an atmosphere or an environment where we just say, I believe in Jesus, and that's all you have to do. And there are so many people that have been born in America, raised up in Christian families that have a, have a belief, so-called so belief in Jesus, but they have never really put their faith in him and, and been born again. Does that make sense? So we have two births, and you have to have the second. The first birth gets you into this world. The second birth gets you, gets you into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just waiting until we go to heaven. The kingdom of God is very present now. Jesus, when he came, he brought the kingdom of God, and it's an invisible kingdom. Does this make sense? This invisible kingdom, when you're born again, I'm born again, we become a part of that invisible kingdom that exists simultaneously in this moment as this physical world exists, and it is just as real. And, and the more you grow in the Lord and mature, it becomes even more real than this world that we actually can see with our eyes. There's two births. One gets you into the world, one gets you into the kingdom of God. There are two kingdoms. The two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, Scripture says, that's the one that Satan rules. The kingdom of darkness is the one that influences so much of what we see happening in this world today. There is a spirit behind that. When we see the chaos and we see the confusion and we see the hatred, and we see what's going on in this world, that is, comes directly from the influence of the kingdom of darkness. There is a kingdom that is influencing this world to the negative, and that's it. There's also the kingdom of God. And God, his, the people, the citizens of his kingdom, when we're born again, come into his kingdom, the citizens of his kingdom should be having a greater impact on this world than the enemy's kingdom why haven't we well i think because of some of the things i'm going to share with you and i hope when we get through with this series that we that we understand that a little more there are two gods now some of you 
we may clear out a few seats here. That way, you know, there, there's still people standing out in the road because you're going to say, oh, okay, there's two gods. He, he said there's two gods. There's only one God. Well, there's one little G God. Paul said that Satan is the what of this world? Does anybody remember the scripture in Corinthians? The God of this world, little g God. Satan is the God of this world, little g God. That's scripture. What is he doing? He's running his kingdom of darkness with those who have not been born again and are influenced by his kingdom. Then there is the big G God which is the one only true God and the one that we serve and the one that we worship. I can't come down there. I'm going to put my amen seat right here. If I have to amen myself, I will do it. I'm telling you, you know I will. You know I will. Our God is the one and only true God that we worship. Greater is He, God, in you than He, the enemy, in all the world has to offer. He's bigger in you than that. Are you living that bigness out of your life? Are you letting Him work through you and influence your life? Are you letting Him change your life? Or is all of that inside of you as a born-again believer and you're absolutely doing nothing with it? I hope that's not the case. There are two wisdoms. There are two wisdoms. The wisdom of this world, the wisdom of man, and the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is the wisdom that we, as His kingdom people, are supposed to walk in. So track with me. You were born the natural birth with a sin nature. The first Adam is what Scripture calls it. When you were born again, spiritually, you were born of the second Adam, or Jesus. The first one had a sin nature. And you were born with that, and you lived it out. You lived it out. You lived out that sin nature. I mean, you were living it out. And before you say, no, I wasn't, but I will talk to your husband or your wife, and they're going to say, yeah, he was living it out. But when you were born again, 1 Corinthians 5 tells us that you were made a new creation. The old man, the old nature is dead. The new nature of Jesus is in you now. Are you tracking with me? Which one, what should be influencing our life as believers? Our new nature. Now, you say, but if I don't have my old nature, then why do I still find myself tempted? Because you still live in a body. We, have a, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. And that soul still has a memory. And we still have all the memories of all the things that we've done and all of those, those temptations and all the things that we did in practice of sin dug out a place in us. How many of you remember the old vinyl records? And I think they're, they're on a comeback, aren't they? But if you scratched one, what would happen? 
it would play up to that, and then it would get in that scratch, and it would just just keep repeating the thing, right? Lord, mercy. It would just go round and round. Right? When you were living in sin, you scratched out some pretty serious places in your life. And you seem to be going along doing really well in your Christian life until you hit that spot. And you catch in that spot. And then it wants to keep doing the same thing that it used to do. But what you got to know is, Jesus took care of that, and you don't have to say it, stay in that spot. You've been set free from sin and the power of sin to keep you and to hold you. Are you tracking with me? You've been set free from that. But you have to change, you have to transform that soul, that's, that your mind, will, and emotions that still has all of that baggage from the past, and even though you've been forgiven of it and you've been set free from it, there are those moments that we get up into that place that tries to catch us in it again. But you're not that anymore. You're a new creation. You're a new creature in Christ. You're something that never, never existed before the moment that you were born again. Does that make sense? But because you still live, your spirit is alive. Your spirit is connected with Jesus now. Your spirit is back in communion with God the way it was back in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. We're back in communion with God, but our soul and our body still have a lot of things to deal with. A lot of old ways of thinking. And we were trained... In our soul, all those years before we got saved, before we came to Jesus, before we were born again, before we became a follower, whatever term you want to use, we were trained by this world to have a wisdom that is like this world. We were trained to think like the world, and the Word of God has to transform that. You remember the scripture I used last week that, that talked about, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, let it dwell in you richly, flooding you with wisdom. The Word of God is going to have to dwell in us richly before He can flood us with wisdom. And wisdom is such a vital thing today, and you can see so much of a lack of it in our world. There are two wisdoms. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom that is from God. God's wisdom, and he gives it to us. Now, let me read uh, Proverbs uh, verse 19.8. You don't have to turn to that if you've already turned to your Job or, or hang on to that. I just want to read this one verse to you. Proverbs 19.8. I'm reading this in the New Living Translation. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. Now, what does he mean by that? Because a lot of times when we think about loving ourselves, we think, you know, a very negative thing. Then listen to what he's saying. To acquire wisdom is to love your future. To acquire wisdom is to say, 
You know, I, I love myself enough that I don't want to destroy myself. So if you don't want to destroy yourself and you want a future and you want a blessed future, then acquire wisdom. That's what he's saying. How many of us can look back and say, man, I'm telling you, I wish I had known this or at least op or I wish I had known it years ago. And for those of you that say I did know it years ago, I just didn't operate in it. How many of you wish you not only had known it, but you'd operated in it? How many overflow? How many of you wish you had known it years ago and, and operated in it? Yes, you too. See all those hands in the overflow? I mean, they are, they, are, they are with us, guys. Do you love your life? Acquire wisdom. Now, look with me at Job chapter 28. Job chapter 28. And here's where we're going to jump off. What about this wisdom that I'm talking about? Where does this wisdom come from? How do you get this wisdom? Look at verse 12. But where, Job asked, but where can wisdom be found? Where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth no mortal comprehends the worth of wisdom it cannot be found in the land of the living how many of you know we're in the land of the living and he's telling us it cannot be found in the land of the living but we're going to find it in the land of the living the deep says it's not in me. The sea says it's not in me. It's not with me. I don't have it. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. If I told you there's something that is more valuable in your life than gold, and there's something more valuable in your life than silver, there is something that you absolutely would never be able in, in, in all of your years ever be able to come up with enough money to buy something that would absolutely change your life, would you want that? And the, answer, the easy answer is yes, we would, but... But by the time we get through, we're going to decide whether we really want that wisdom or not. Look at verse 28 of chapter 28. And he said to the human race, how many of you are part of that? Most of you? <laughs> the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. And we talked about last week that this fear of the Lord is not a dread. But it is a deep reverence of the awesomeness of God, of His power, of His authority, of His knowledge, 
of his wisdom. There is a deep awesomeness and a reverence to who he is. That's what he's telling us. When we come to this place in our life where we find this deep reverence, this deep honoring of God in who he is, when we realize how awesome our God is, and even though we use, and I do this all the time, use the word awesome, I use it a lot. Man, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was awesome. But that term, the way we use it today, you can't use that with God because it is so much bigger than that. He is awesome. And so when we begin to understand that, when we have that kind of a fear, then we can know wisdom. Psalm 111.10. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We can't even get there. How many of us would say that we see very much of the, of the fear of the Lord in this country? Anybody? We don't see a lot of the fear of the Lord, do we? And, and, and some people are saying, you know, okay, what do you mean? I'm not saying that the whole world ought to be just in, in fear. I mean, unbelievers, yes, there's a, there's a dread there that I had before I came to know Jesus because I knew what my eternal destiny was going to be if I continued to go without Him. But for every believer, it's not a matter of fear. Our, in, in our country, what we need to see within the body of Christ is a, is a reverence, a fear, a reverence, an awe of God, an honoring of God that says, I want to follow Him. I want to love Him. I want to do what He says. Does that make sense? That'll change this world. Absolutely change this world. The fear of the Lord. There are two wisdoms. He said, can't be found in the land of the living. So if it can't be found in the land of the living, where can it be found? It can be found in God. It'll be found in Him. It'll be found in a relationship with Him. It'll be found in the mind of Christ that He has put into the heart of every believer. The Spirit, Holy Spirit of wisdom that indwells all of us, we have access to. We've just got to find Him. We've got to search out that wisdom. We have to search it out as, as more valuable than silver and gold. We have to search out the wisdom of God. How many of you have read the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is a, is a, is a book about, it, it's Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived uh, outside of Jesus, putting, putting Proverbs, putting, speaking his Proverbs, the wisdom into a book. There were many, many more than what we even have in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we don't have even near what he, what he spoke, but what we do have is pretty powerful stuff. And when you begin to read those, man, there's some stuff in there that will change your life. When I first, when I first got saved, somebody told me about reading and said, you know what, you, just, you need to read one chapter of Proverbs a day and, and do it for, I did that for a month. And then all of a sudden that started to become a part of me to the point that I found myself thinking the way the Proverbs were, but I couldn't take you to chapter or verse at times but I had read it so much that it began, began to become a part of me. Does that make sense? And the more you read it, the more you read it, the more you read it, you find yourself acting out things in the book of Proverbs. You find yourself 
holding true to some of those things in there, though you can't take them to chapter and verse at times. Maybe you can, but some of them you won't. But this is what happens. The living word of God gets inside of you and the seed is planted and then he begins to live that out through us. The Holy Spirit begins to change our life. Our mind is being transformed and we begin to think in terms of wisdom and walk in the ways of wisdom. Does that make sense? I need you all to act like I really need you to act like you're enjoying what you're hearing, whether you are or not. <laughs> Some of you look so absolutely bored out of your mind. And I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the bored stuff, okay? There, there, there are people that will put in these seats that won't be bored. I'm, 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 I am praying for a hunger. We'll have one service until people are so blooming hungry for what God is going to do here that there be people on that sidewalk at 7 a.m. next Sunday waiting to get a seat. And when we start seeing that, say, oh, but, but I've seen it in concerts. I've stood in line for hours to get in a rock and roll con- concert. And yet we just kind of want to haphazardly come in and plop our little butts down in chairs and act like we're bored to pieces about all that's going on. Don't, you might not want to encourage me. <laughs> I am looking for and praying for a move of God. Not going to church. Not addiction to worship. But a hunger for the Word of God that will so transform and change our lives that when we step into our places of business and we step into our schools and we step wherever we are when things get turned loose, that when we step in the middle of all of that, the Holy Spirit is going to be working through us so strong and so powerfully that people would begin to recognize a difference in the children of God and say, God must be real. James chapter 3, verse 13. James describes two wisdoms. Who is the wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Or deny the truth. Why? Those are worldly wisdom. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It is unspiritual. It is demonic. Wow. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then it's peace-loving, and it's considerate, and it's submissive. It's full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Did you just see how he contrasted the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God? So it's really easy for us to look at this and say, is the wisdom of God flowing through my life? James was continually hammering down to say, you know what, guys, and, and a, lot of people, a, a lot of people struggled 
in the early church, uh, a lot of people struggled with the book of James. Because James comes across talking about faith in such a way that he says, if you don't have any works, you don't have faith. And we know that Paul taught very seriously that you cannot be saved by works. We are saved by, by grace through faith, right? And so we know that salvation cannot be worked for. You can't receive salvation by works. It's a matter of you putting your faith in Jesus and receiving his grace. That's it. That's it. But what James says in, this, in his book, and he goes from the beginning to the end, it's, a, it, it's faith, guys. If your faith is real, you're going to see it. Don't tell me, this is him, don't tell me that you have faith. Show me your faith. And so he hammers away over and over at this. If there is a real faith there, we're going to see that faith in operation. And then here he says, he's contrasting that wisdom that flows out of us through faith. And he, in his contrast of it, he shows us what the wisdom of the world looks like. And don't we see that? And he showed us what the wisdom of God looked like. Right? Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. Now, if he were to be saying the same thing now about our age, He's going to say the same, it's, but not of the wisdom of this age that we live in or the rulers of this age that we live in. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, now listen to this, what no eye has seen, and what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. And that's where most of the sermons that you heard on this stopped. And when you hear people quote it, that's where they stop. And so it's as if, okay, uh, you know, eyes have... Uh, what. Eyes haven't seen nor ears heard. Not human mind has conceived the things that God has for those who love him. So what is, they say, okay, you got to wait on it. But if you keep reading, you find out what God is saying to us. He says, these are the things God has, what does that say? Revealed to who? To us by his spirit. Not these are the things that God will reveal. These are the things that God has revealed. What things? The things that no eye had been able to conceive before. The things that were a mystery before Jesus came. Those things, we can see it now. And we see it through what? What did he say? The Spirit. Through the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
Paul, James, ultimately the Holy Spirit, as he inspired people to write, many writers through the Bible say there are two kinds of wisdom. There are two births. Have you had the second one? There's a natural birth. Have you experienced the spiritual birth? He tells us there's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And they both ought to be thinking different. He tells us there are two wisdoms. And if we are in the kingdom of light, shouldn't we be thinking, shouldn't we be experiencing the wisdom of light? The answer is yes. We should be experiencing and walking in the wisdom of light. That's where God's called us to. And so now we're at this place in our lives where we have to begin to understand if we are born again, we should be walking according to the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of God always operates in love. The wisdom of God always operates in love. Why? Because God is love. It always operates in love. Because God is love. And if you want to know what real love looks like, and what the, the God kind of love that He has put inside of His children, the kind that the kingdom of God is supposed to operate by, all we have to do is, is, is look at the Scripture. Read uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And see how the, how the love of God operates. Now the deception of this season is that we watch what comes through media. And we allow our flesh, we allow our soul that is crying out to be transformed so that we look like Jesus and sound like Jesus and live like Jesus, our soul that is crying out for that, when we are feeding our soul, mind, will, and emotions, when we're feeding our soul on a heavy diet not of the Word of God, but of media, news, and all the stuff that we see out there, that is what is changing us. We are conforming to that, not being transformed. And as we do that, we lose sight of the fact that kingdom citizens live different. Kingdom citizens love different. Kingdom citizens give different. Kingdom citizens are different. Shouldn't we be different in our attitudes, in our actions, in the way we live our lives? How many of you know that in God's kingdom there is no racism? And where we find racism Somebody is operating outside of the kingdom. Even church people in some of, in some of, the, worst, some of the worst situations of, of racism that I ever experienced were, were from the mouths of church people. But church people and kingdom citizens are two different things. Anybody tracking with me? Kingdom citizens, we don't look at black, white, red, yellow, brown. Why? Because in the kingdom, in God's kingdom, though physically we still have our, 
our colorful selves. I'm, I'm several colors. I've got, I've got something called vitiligo, which destroys the pigmentation of, the skin, of your skin. If, if I didn't put on some kind of a little bit of some, some tanning something, we would not be able, I would not be able to stand here because the light off of my pearly white, almost transparent skin, you wouldn't, you'd be scared. So what I found out is under that pigmentation, we're all kind of transparent. Is anybody tracking with me? In the kingdom of God, it's about being citizens of love. And color means nothing. But the wisdom of this world is pumping you to try to get you to buy in to their way of thinking. Is anybody tracking with me? Let me show you a few bad people of this color or show you a few bad people of that color or show you a few negative people of that color. Let me just show you all of that so that you can create in your mind a way of thinking that you lump everybody of any certain color into one basket. And you tell me if the enemy hasn't tried to do that to you already. He's tried to do it to you. And he's tried to do it to every race on this earth. And so you see a group of people over here that are doing something horrible and you lump everybody that is connected to that race as bad or horrible. We don't do that in God's kingdom. Why? There's no Jew or Gentile in the kingdom of God. We're all one. We're one family. We've been regened regenerated to become one family, the family of God. Are you tracking with me? The wisdom of the world will absolutely destroy. But can you imagine if we start living out the wisdom of God? Can you imagine what it would look like if we actually start living out the wisdom of God in our lives, what that would look like? if every child of God began to live out the wisdom of God in their life, the, the ability, when I'm talking about wisdom of God, I'm talking about the, being able to see as God sees, to be able to see from the viewpoint of God and then act accordingly. That's the wisdom of God. To be able to see as God sees and then act accordingly. That's the wisdom of God. It's like taking a child that, that spends their entire life down here and all they're seeing is is, you know, people's from here down. When they walk around the crowd, they just, you know, right there's a, right in front of them, somebody's, you know what I'm saying? But you pick them up and set them on your shoulder 
And suddenly they see from a whole different viewpoint. I get my grandbabies. And they're probably thinking, man, oh man, there's something. You know what? Where I've been living down there, view's not so great, smell not so great. But now, Papa has delivered me. I can see through Papa's eyes. And I like what I see better than I used to. But see, if you just live down there all the time, you just think the whole world looks like that. You with me? It's not until you get picked up and set up here that you realize the world looks a whole lot different than you always thought it did. And what God wants to do in the life of his kids, he wants us to start seeing from his perspective, from his viewpoint. And when he sets us up there, suddenly we're going to start to say, man, the world looks better and smells better than I ever thought it did. I wish I had known this a long time ago. That's what wisdom will do for you. That's what wisdom will do in you. Do you want that wisdom? Search for it as gold. Because its price is greater than gold. Let me throw out a couple things really quickly and then I'm going to close. Man, I, you know what's so, so weird is I have all this time and I'm done. The wisdom of God operates out of love, number one, right? I mentioned that a minute ago. Number two, the wisdom of God seldom makes sense to the logical mind. The wisdom of God seldom makes sense to the natural mind. And if we operate out of that natural way of thinking... Which, which are you more committed to, the wisdom of God, or do you find yourself living out of your head? How many of you find yourself living out of your head more than out of your spirit? You know, you know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit in your spirit, and He's always ready to pour out everything for us, including wisdom, but we find ourselves living out of our head? And there's... Very little good <laughs> that comes from there sometimes. So if you have to be able to make it sound logical before you're willing to walk in it, you will miss the wisdom of God. You will miss the wisdom of God because the wisdom of God does not make sense to this world. The wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. And the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And so when we choose to walk in His power, when we choose to walk in His wisdom, everything is going to start to, everything is going to, start to change. But let me throw this one last thing out. The wisdom of God operates from faith. The wisdom of God operates from faith. What does that mean? It means you're going to have to have faith to walk in wisdom. Because, there, but because you know very few people in your life that know the wisdom of God, that walk in the wisdom of God, and when you choose to walk in it, they're going to think you are insane. Is anybody tracking with me? And they'll patch everything, they'll throw everything at you. Oh, you're going to walk in the wisdom of God, and you're going, listen to me, you're going to see the deception of the enemy. 
When you walk in the wisdom of God, you see the deception and the strategies of the enemy in a way that you never saw it before. And so now that you see that, you're going to begin to walk in the wisdom of God, seeing things that others do not see, God's viewpoint, and, and making your decisions accordingly. That's wise decisions. That's not making the decisions that your friends are making. That is making decisions that come from the wisdom of God. That means when your boyfriend or girlfriend says, you know, I'll, can, can, we go to, uh, can we go to third base? Your question is not, you, you all know what I'm talking about. The question is not how far can I go, what is considered sin, the question is, is it wise or not? So you're not looking at third base thinking, oh man, I want to go, to, I want to go home, man, I want to go to home plate, but I think that would probably be sin. You know what, even being in the batter's box may be sin if you're not with the right person. But it's not about sin, it's about wisdom. It's about wisdom. Am I going to be wise? Are you going to operate in that? Where, where we operate in faith and wisdom, the wisdom of the world wants to take moral shortcuts. Let that drop. The wisdom of the world wants to take moral shortcuts. Was that me talking? The wisdom of the world wants to take moral shortcuts. The wisdom of God says, follow me. You don't need shortcuts. I got to lie and cheat to get ahead in business. You can't get ahead in business if you don't lie and cheat. I heard that all my life from, from numbers of people. It's not the truth. What do you trust in the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God? Are you willing to walk in His wisdom? Are you willing to trust Him in relationships or do you go the wisdom of the world and manipulate and try to control or do you go from the wisdom of God and you just love people with God's kind of love and set them free? Which one? Are we going to hate the people that hate us? That's the wisdom of the world. Are we going to love our haters? That's the wisdom of God. You see what I'm saying? Are we going to live His kingdom in our spiritual birth, worshiping the one true God in spirit and truth, living out with the wisdom that He has given us? Are we going to seek it out? If you seek out the wisdom of God half as much as you're seeking out what you're seeking out on your smartphone and on Google and on the media, you'll be, you'll be shocked at what God can do. The wisdom of God changes everything. It will set you free to live a life that is unbelievable. There may be some of you that 
the wisdom of God has, has, has been trying to teach you to give at His command. And yet you're counting the dollars in your bank account. Won't you listen to me? Carl and I have had many opportunities to, to give away from ourselves. The last time we did that, just recently we were talking about it, and I said, you know, the, the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing, and it's so liberating, is to realize that, that what we just did was never ours. This will set you free, but this comes through wisdom. We were able to do what we just did, but only because God allowed us to put that in our bank account for a little while. But it was never ours. It was always hers. It was always His. And God's saying, can I just find somebody? I want to feed this world. I want to give a drink of water to a thirsty soul. I got groceries I want to get to that single mom. And you're counting dollars. And you're looking at what you have in the bank. And what you don't know is I already gave you what I wanted for her, it's not yours. I just let you put it in your account for a little while. And I just need you to trust me. I need you to let my wisdom prevail. I need you to fear me. I need you to see how awesome I am. I need you to see how big I am. I need you to see how wise I am. I need you to see how knowledgeable I am. I need you to see my power. I need you to trust me. And if you will trust me with my wisdom and not the world's wisdom, I will do some things through your life that will absolutely turn your life upside down and change you forever. You will never, never, never be the same. But it comes through wisdom. Where are you? in the big picture of things. Are you ready? Are you ready to say, but I forgot who I was. I forgot, I forgot that I didn't just get saved. I was born new. I forgot that I didn't just get a ticket to heaven. I was born into a brand new kingdom. I forgot that at one time I followed the little G-God of this world and that I had been changed into following the one and true God. And I forgot that the kingdom I'm in operates from a whole different set of principles and wisdom than the kingdom of this world. But now that I've been reminded, I am ready to become one of God's servants.
to become his son and his daughter. Son and daughter who acts like their daddy, loves like their daddy, talks like their daddy, walks like their daddy. And this last thing, if you have never, if you're listening to us online or, or if you're in this room, let me go all the way back to the beginning just for a second. Everybody listening to me has experienced one birth. That's the natural birth. But to become a part of this kingdom that I've been talking about, to experience this wisdom that I've been talking about, to have this God, big G, one and only true God that I've been talking about, to become a citizen of the kingdom of light, not darkness, that I've been talking about, the very first thing that has to happen is there has to be a new birth, a spiritual birth. You must be born again. How do we do that? Believe that Jesus died for you and rose again. That He paid the price for your sin on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. And when you put your faith in Him, you find out that the penalty for sin is gone. Your sin is washed away. Guilt is gone. Shame is gone. It's all gone. And He puts His life inside of you are you willing to believe him and put your faith in him and now let me use a little word that peter used when he preached the sermon on the day of pentecost repent over the years listen to me give me just about two minutes over the years i always thought because of what i had picked up Maybe even I misunderstood, but what I saw as repentance was people just laying on an altar, bawling and crying. And so when the preacher said repent, I thought, well, if you're not crying and you're just not wallowing and you're not, oh, God, forgive me and begging for His forgiveness, then you didn't repent. That's not repentance at all. Repentance is saying, God, you were right all along. I've been doing my own thing my own way. This is the part I think is missing from a lot of believers and why we see a lot of people who say they're believers but their lives have never changed. Because all they did was say, I, yeah, I, I've changed my mind that I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But they never changed their mind to the fact that, that God's way is a better way and that we've been delivered from sin and that we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus and, and that we're supposed to be looking more and more like Him every day. That is the repentance. That's where we come to Him and say, you are right, I am wrong. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do it your way. So, before we dismiss today, I want to invite you into the family of God. And so if you're here and you would like to pray, I will, I'll pray with you. You don't have to do anything other than you just pray where you're at. But is there anybody in this room would say, but I want Jesus in my life. I want to invite Him in today. I've never been born again. And I will invite the Lord to save me. Anybody. There may be people online 
And you may be saying, but I want to be saved. Would you pray this prayer with me? And, and why don't we, church family, just pray this out loud with me? And, and that way we're praying with them online, those that are choosing Jesus today. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. You're a Savior who died for sinners. I receive you now into my life. I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my way of thinking. And I turn to you. I agree with you. And right now, I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. And I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing one more time before we leave. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.